saved us. We know who chose us. We know who redeemed us. We know who's here right now moving amongst your people, Lord. How grateful we are, Lord, that, that you didn't let it just be a normal Sunday morning, Lord, but you chose to inhabit our praise. I thank you, Lord God, that there are hearts this morning that stand here that will make such a declaration that you are God alone. You're my breath. You're my very thought. You're my you're every part of my essence, Lord. You are my everything, Lord God. And we surrender to you just now everything that we are, Lord. Everything that we are, we lay it at your feet. Lord, we open every door of our heart to you today, Lord. Not just the front door, not just say come into my living room and stand on my welcome mat, Lord, but we pray you would move about us, move about our hearts, Lord. Every room you wish to go into, Lord, it's open to you this morning, Lord. If there's anything in our lives that's not pleasing to you, I pray that you would bring it to the surface, bring it into your light, Lord. We want every part of us living in your light, Lord. Nothing hid in the darkness. In the darkness is where sickness comes. Not just in our body, but in our soul, in our spirit, Lord. We only want your light. We want to live in your light. We want to walk in your light, Lord, as you are the light. We love you so much this morning. We pray today as we change the order of the service, Lord, to the ministering of the word, to the sowing of the seed, Lord. We've tilled the ground up this, uh, this morning of our hearts, Lord. That's what this worship service is for. It's not just to gather and sing songs, but it's to yield. It's to yield our, our, the, the, the soil of our ground, Lord. It's to till it up to, that you might have your way, Lord, and you the, the planter, the master sower, Lord, that, that you would lay our hearts out this morning as maybe in all natural senses we might would arrange a garden where certain things would be, Lord. We ask that you would have such preeminence in our hearts that you would arrange our hearts, the garden of our lives, the where you'd have it to be, Lord, each every part that it might be pleasing to you, that you might step back and smile and be happy, Lord, and enjoy the fragrance of our praise and enjoy the, the, the essence, the, the life, the breath of us, Lord, as we worship you, as we live in fellowship and union and communion with you, Lord. Have your way here today. This is our desire, Lord, that you would have your way here today. We don't want it to be just an ordinary service. Lord, for uh, you can't use that word. You can't use that word ordinary when we're dealing with an extraordinary God, a supernatural creator, and where one moment in your presence will change a life forever. Lord, I pray that each person in this place today, I don't care where they're at in their walk with you, Lord, they would get at the very least one moment in your presence, Lord, and I would be so bold to ask today for even more than one moment, Lord. Moment for 10 minutes, for 30 minutes, for an hour, Lord, whatever you would allow, that we would sit in your presence and soak you up, Father. Have your way, we pray. Bless my brothers and sisters. Bless them for their faithfulness to come out to hear your word, Lord. We appreciate your grace and your mercy. And we ask all these things in the most wonderful and precious, lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And amen. God bless you this morning. Are you happy in the Lord? Do you appreciate him? You glad to be alive this morning? You glad to be alive this morning? You know, he didn't have to let you wake up this morning. I wish I had a way to keep a, a statistic of how many people didn't wake up today. They simply passed away in their sleep. 
How many people that didn't wake up in their right mind? Can you imagine going to sleep last night in your right mind, waking up this morning not in your right mind? That happened this morning to many people, but it didn't happen to you. So if you're still alive, if you're in your right mind, what's your purpose? To serve the Lord to live for the Lord, to speak for the Lord, to praise the Lord, to give all that you have to the Lord, and seek with all your heart to give Him more. I hope you're not saying here this morning, I've been a Christian for five years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, what it might be, and say, I've given enough. I pray that you have a hunger and a thirst and a desire, not just, eh, but like Jeremiah would say, I got fire shut up in my bones. I got to have more. I got to have more. You feel that way today? If you would turn to Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 1. I appreciate the Lord for his mercy, for his grace. He is so good to us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. <clears throat> Today would be part 3 in who is God, what is God, and where is God. Now, I don't, I don't know what all he'll do. Uh, it's as, as a as a minister. It's it would be a lot easier, perhaps, if I could walk up here with a full script, already show down everything that he'd have me to say, and maybe it'd be so good. You know, as, as our prophet, he would have um, people come to do interviews, and they he knew that certain times they wouldn't always have enough time to get all their questions answered. So the Lord would move upon him to write down before they got there. You listen to me this morning. To write down before they ever got there the question that was on their heart and then the answer that went with it. And then if time got short, he could just hand them the piece of paper as they walked away. You go meditate on this and, and see if this is what you walked in here with your question. is. This isn't while they're sitting there telling him he's scratching it down. No, no, before they ever even got there, this is what's on their heart. This is the answer. Take this and go your way. See, what does that tell you this morning? That reminds you that there's a God that knows your very thoughts. He knows your needs this morning. He knows exactly what you have need of. And I don't just mean, uh, well, let's just take just a minute in your physical realm. Many of you sitting here, even me, need healing touch this morning. From, a, from someone that made a promise that I'll send my word and heal your diseases. Now, we say this a lot. and you've, I wonder if we had a way to keep a ticker in your mind how many times you've heard that phrase. How many times did it take to that, that that word, that scripture, get common to you? How long did it take for you to hear it to where you didn't believe it anymore? Chapter 11, verse 1. Faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds, and let your mind think about this, let your mind and your imagination really saturate on this thought this morning. <clears throat> let you, through the faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. <coughs> God testifying of his gifts, for by it, for by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, 
and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, comma, that he pleased God. You may be seated this morning. Now, verse 3, through faith we understand. Through faith we understand. Why has it got to be that word in, in such a manner as that? Through faith we understand. How many people were old enough back then, all those millennia ago, to watch him do it? So then you can't go off your memory. Okay, maybe your memory, uh, maybe your memories went away, and maybe you were there in physical, uh, physical form, but you watched with these eyes, watched him do it. We're, we're getting to an avenue to access a soul now. And I'm working through those first through those first five topical senses that have access to this body. You have sight, you have your reasoning, which is in your spirit. But in that part of that, that you understand that you have to see it by faith, and faith isn't done through the spirit, it's done in the soul. You understand? Faith is done in the soul. So if you didn't see it with this natural form, if you don't remember it with your spirit or your mind, how can you accept it? How old is your body? My body's 42 years and some change old. How old is your body? But yet you weren't there. How old is your soul? See, we're, I'm looking at a, a way to get this morning to that invisible. You with me? I'm looking to get to that things that cannot be seen. Because this is the only way you can ever have an understanding of God. And we shared this last Sunday, if each one of us was to allow to be able to go through and maybe if you had a way, just like on a computer, you can take a computer uh, with a good, even things which you thought were deleted, and go back through a hard drive or a memory or a RAM computer and pull back everything that was on that, even the things you thought were deleted. And I say it like that because we forget things in our mind, and your mind is kind of like a computer as far as one all it can hold. But if you were to take and right now be able to form into a, uh, let's say a screen right here, that you could take and put on this screen for the you with your eyes, your eyes can see, and then maybe it could be a read aloud with some kind of auditory uh, read-along or something read it for you. You understand what I mean by that? That way you can pick it up with your ears. And maybe you could read Braille at the same time to where you can feel it with your fingers, see, hear, feel, you follow me, and then walk back through everything that you've assumed or relied to about God. That way you can go, I never even knew I thought that. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? How did that get in there? Because I promise you this morning, it's hindering your faith. I promise you. It's hindering your faith. It's hindering my faith. Because, because I, I, I'll tell you, I'm the worst one here. You're never going to say that I'm better than you, I'm pious, I, I've got it all figured out. You're never going to read my book how Sam Parker got it all figured out. I can tell you how to do everything wrong. That would be my book, how to do everything wrong. Made plenty of mistakes. Have been forgiven much. I've been forgiven much. Much. But if you can start going through and Pulling that out, that's not true. Pull that out, that's not true. Pull it out, not true. How does faith come? It comes by hearing of the word. That's how it comes. So you have, uh, you have a natural faith, 
You have, maybe you say like this, you maybe have an affilial faith, and maybe you're working toward the agape faith. If there's an affilial love, which is the love of man, the love of a husband for his wife, now you understand that in that negative sense, that a love for a husband and a wife, if someone was to insult your wife, if someone was to, you would want to kill that man. That's in that flesh. That's my wife, and I will defend her at my cost. It, it all costs with, with everything that I have. But that's the affilial love. An agapo love would say, I want to pray for you. I want to forgive you. I want to set that free and pray that God would deliver you of such a thing. So in the same sense of an affilial faith to an agapa faith, I was reading in, in a message earlier, but I'm talking about each one of you sitting here this morning. He said, you know, maybe the meeting will be over by 11 o'clock. Maybe you come here in a cab today. And you told that cab driver, be back here at 11 o'clock to pick me up to give me a ride home. Maybe you told your wife or, you know, if you left your spouse at home or your children at home, I'll be home at such and such time. Maybe you thought, told your boss when you left home on Friday or whatever it might be, I'll be back Monday morning at a certain, certain time. We have no promise of tomorrow. You have no promise of tomorrow. You have no promise of tomorrow. You, you understand that even right now, sitting in this moment, you have no promise that you'll live past the end of this service. You have no promise that you'll live past the end of this service. You understand that. So what should this service mean to you? Just another time to hear a guy talk. So you ain't here to hear me talk. You ain't here to hear me talk. You ain't here to hear me you know, yell and spit and clap. You ain't here for that. You're here to, 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 to slip into that dimension with him and to really hear from him this morning. Faith comes by hearing. So if, if in your affilial faith you can do these things, you can make such a certain thing, I'll be at work tomorrow morning. I'll leave here whatever time after we eat lunch, and, and we'll eat lunch, and, and we won't die because it's not poisoned. Again, speaking of filial faith. You know, you're, you're assuming that it's not been poisoned. We'll eat the meal. We'll survive the meal. There are some countries you might not survive the meal. If you were to go to other countries right now, you might not even survive drinking the water. And, and it's just, you understand, by faith, you're going to take that drink. You're going to take that food <coughs> by faith this morning, and you're going to know, I'm not going to die. I'm going to take that into me, and I'm not going to die. I'm going to go on about my day, and then I'll even eat some more tonight. Then I'll lay down at, at night, whatever time that is. And then I've got faith that I'll wake up tomorrow morning. This is all in the affiliate rim. I'll walk out after a while. You'll put your key in your car. You'll start your car. It will start. You'll drive away, and you'll make it to your destination. All in the affiliate faith. Things that you can see. You can hold the keys in your hand. You can hear the car start up. You can feel the drive. You can see all of this in the driving home. And you're with faith. Believe in that affiliate faith that I'll make it home. And that's the affiliate faith. Now, <clears throat> the agape faith, we just said that through faith we understand and we have to make it in such a way we can't say that we've reasoned it out. We can't say that we remember. We've agreed that none of us say we remember because we were standing there in this flesh and form. None of us can say we stood there with these eyes and watched it happen. So you have to say that through faith and understanding would come. Because again, that's how faith comes. It's through hearing of the word, which you've got to be able to understand the word. If I'm speaking to you in this Bible, say I'm reading to you out of an English Bible and you only, only speak Spanish, you only speak some other language, you only speak and you can't understand the words I'm saying, you might can judge by my movements, by the way with my expression that I'm saying something you might be interested in hearing, but you can't hear. It's no different than me trying to tell you something this morning uh, and you've got a full battalion of demons sitting on you to distract you, to cover you up, to make you hurt, all these things to make you tired to where you can't hear. It's no different than me speaking to you in German or French or, or any other language that I don't know. Now, again, that's your, your, your natural sense. 
but I'm not trying to get through you now. I have to go through that vehicle, but what I really want to is to get to that unseen person, that invisible person that's on the inside, that invisible person that will, that will maybe set that soul on fire to where that no matter what happens, you'll live for God. No matter what happens tomorrow, you'll believe in God. No matter what happens, if you know that you were to die tomorrow at 2 o'clock, I'm going to shout his name. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to believe every promise of God until I leave this world at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Your flesh would cower. Your flesh would shrink back. Your flesh wouldn't want to get out of bed. Your flesh would want to go somewhere and hide. How could this happen? How could I leave? Why could it take my life at 2 o'clock tomorrow? Your soul would say, I don't care what happens. I know that as soon as I leave here, I'm going there. I'm going there. It's interesting, isn't it? Because after a while, you come to a good realization that this isn't really real. So what happens if this ain't real? What happens if your, your faith, your, your attention, your, your everything you grab with, I don't just mean hands, but I mean how to grab hold with hope, grab hold with joy, grab hold with love of God, and place something in your heart to where that this doesn't even matter. See, it, it struck me about these worlds. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were not seen were not made from things which do appear. Things that were not seen... We're not made from things which do not appear. So for me, I, if I'm going to build a house, I'll have a lumberyard drop material off on the property. And then I will show up, we'll show up, and we'll start building the house with the material that we can see. And we'll start digging the footings, laying it out, using the forms to build concrete, putting rebar still in, keep building that building up with product, with material, with elements that I can grab hold of with these hands that I can put these eyes on, that I can take this memory and experience and remember how to cut this, how to lay this out, how to square this up, all in this natural vehicle. Now, what he's talking about is completely opposite of that. The prophet taught about God having faith. And let's call him Elohim. Let's say Elohim having faith. Now, and I want to I name him like that because there is a God that, is, that, that rules this world right now, and that's not Elohim. Now, I'm not talking about the one who's really in control. I'm talking about the one who's having marvelous success. Marvelous success. Brother Matt, one of the last times he preached, he read that out of Isaiah where Satan said, I will be like the Most High. I will receive glory and worship like the Most High. All of these things, I will get this. The prophet taught us that Satan, Lucifer, is the God of this evil age. Now, he don't own it. He don't own it. Say, for example, I like to always bring it back to something that you can relate with. Say you go home. Those of you that own your home, say you go home and you go to walk in the door and it's locked. The locks have been changed. You can see where someone kicked the door in and they changed the locks because they didn't have a key. You know, say they didn't have it. They had to kick. They had to force their way in. Forced entry. They got in there. They changed the locks. And you get home. You're the one that owns the property. Open the door. I don't have to. I own the home now. No, you don't. I own the home. You got to get out. I own the home. I own the home. I own the home. And you hear just a nonstop blaring of, I own this home. I own this home. No, you don't. I own it. How would you feel? How would you feel? You get home later this afternoon. Someone's not at your home. And you're like, I pay that mortgage. I know that home belongs to me. Or maybe you've got it free and clear. I know it's mine. 
And someone is in there squatting on what you own. Again, that's just your natural home. It's not even real. What Satan has done, he has moved in and squatted on God's property. See, God, Elohim, Elohim, the Lord Jesus Christ owns it. When Adam lost those keys, that he lost the godhood of this world, it didn't go to Satan, it went back to the original owner. The original owner is the one that created it, the one that made it. He's the original owner. Now what Satan did, he snuck in and he brought all this poison, nonsense, and lies, and he kind of assumed or presumptuously grabbed the keys of death, hell, and the grave and said, they're now mine. And no one stepped forward for so many years to say, give them back. Nobody could step forward to make him give them back. You understand? The original owner can enforce this. So the original owner comes down one day, creates a body in the womb of a virgin Mary, grows in that body, gives his life as a sacrifice for your sins and your sins and my sins, and then gives his life, dies, goes to hell, shows up, walks in there, and reminds Satan they don't belong to you. I shared that with you Tuesday night about different things that I think made God mad. It made him mad. It don't belong to you. Satan, they don't belong to you. But there had to be someone that could come down and enforce it. What would a judge be considered? A judge, in most senses, would be the final say. If you had a court case, and let's say you ran past your, your local magistrates and your local courts and ran into the highest court of the land, the Supreme Court, and you stood before that judge, that judge would be the final voice to say, yeah, your name. That's someone that can die. That's someone that's only existed for less than 100 years. This one that we're talking about, the enforcer, the judge, the creator, the Elohim, he, Daniel calls him in one place the ancient of days. Ancient. I've always loved that description. I think the first time I realized what it was, I probably heard it younger, but I think I was 17, 18 when I first heard it. And that's one of those things that it grabs me. Like I said, I've got a good imagination. So when you call someone ancient of days, whew, that's not young. That sounds like he was around at the beginning. That sounds like he was around before the beginning. Now, if you've heard, and uh, we, we, we read that a lot to you about Revelations 10.1 and what that is and who that is. And that happened February 20th, 1963, that that judge come down and he has a, a it almost has a wig about his head. He's the judge. He's girt about the paps. You understand? He's standing there. He's, he's deity. He's God. He's the judge. He's the one to enforce. He's the one to be able to come into your life and make Satan give back anything he took. Make him. <clears throat> Can you imagine however long ago it was Genesis 1-1 was? However long ago. And I say it like that because I thoroughly believe that once Genesis 1-2 started, you understand, Genesis 1-1, the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then verse 2 happens, and the earth without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Two different things. That was a lot. But the prophet told us that could have been a hundred million years from verse one to verse two. Could have been a hundred million years. We have no idea how long that took. 
I believe at that time is when the war in heaven happened and it spilled out upon the earth because the Bible teaches us that even Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall on earth as lightning. The other place it says, talking about that king of Tyre, me and Brother Matt was one of the day, walked upon the earth when it was burning rocks of lava. Prophet told that and that day on Calvary. He said, Satan Lucifer walked upon this planet when it was a burning rock of lava. At which point from Genesis 1, 1 to 1, 2 does it describe it as burning rock of lava? It was when the war spilled out. He was kicked out. Now, verse 2 happens, and then you begin your six days of creation. <clears throat> now, the Bible teaches that one day to the Lord is a thousand of our years. One day. Not a thousand days, a thousand years. So there's 6,000 years right there from Genesis 1-2 to the end of that creation after he created man, then God took a rest. 6,000 years. And it's been roughly 6,000 years since then. That's 12,000 years. 12 is a very important number. 12,000 years from there to there, thus to thus. Now, and what it took from, uh, imagine, to create something. Let, let's say that I was to create a building for you this morning with material that does not exist and build it for you in a plane or dimension that, that you can't see. You know, we only access into four dimensions in this body. First, two, one, two, three, and four. We live in the fourth. Uh, time, matter, space is one, two, and three. Those four dimensions, we only have access to those four dimensions. And in those four dimensions, right there, is where that we live and we breathe, but the things which are seen are not eternal. It's the things that are not seen. It said, it said the things that are seen, they're temporal, which means temporary or bound by time. But the things which are not seen are not temporal. They're unseen. They're not bound by time. Now, Satan and his angels fall in that realm. You have that realm of which the Bible would describe it as everlasting or immortal, but it's not eternal. You have a different description when you're talking about everlasting or immortal. Immortal still means a time begin to a time of end. Doesn't matter if, and each one of us would say that if a person lived a thousand years, yeah, that person's immortal, pretty much immortal, because our lifespan is 50 to 100 depending on, you know, things of life. But so if you knew of someone that lived a thousand years, you would say, yeah, that, that's probably immortal. Am I right? Okay, we're still talking about a, a span of time. So Satan falls in that everlasting. Hell falls in that everlasting. It's not eternal. Everlasting is, has a beginning, has an end. Satan had a beginning. Satan has an end. Oh, Satan nervous about that. You understand Satan's nervous about his end? You understand that? Satan's nervous about his end. Who brings about his end? Raise your hand up. Right now, raise your hand up. You're the one that brings about his end. So why would he not fight you tooth and nail? Why would he not dump every bit of concrete, a skyscraper of trash on your life to keep you from moving from this realm into that realm? Because when you do, he's done. His grip lets go. His influence lets go. He has no more hold. He's done when you move into that dimension. You're not meant to live here because you're not from here. 
We sang that earlier. This world is not my home. You stood in this room and you testified of that with your lips. That means you're an ambassador of one to come, which tells you you didn't exist here. You weren't, you didn't begin here. This isn't where you're from. So sometimes you have to say, you know what? You're from here. This is your world. Have fun. There are many of the, the only pleasures they'll ever have. The only heaven they'll ever know is whatever happens right here. This is proposed many times throughout the scripture and David would say it in such a way that why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked prosper? David asked this question. Why does the wicked prosper? This is the only heaven they'll ever get. So you know in yourself if you've tasted of that life eternal this morning you would know yourself that ain't nothing this world God can offer can touch that over there. So can you imagine the depths of anguish and pity and compassion you should have for someone that this is the only heaven they'll ever know. You know in yourself, we're all each one triune beings, body, soul, spirit. You're made in this world speaking lies and you one day come to a light that changed your life. And when you come to that light, that light did something to you to where you no longer had a craving to drink. You no longer had a craving to smoke, to do drugs, to feel anything else that fills that, that capacity for God because you actually put God where he belonged. You simply said, Lord, have your way. And he so fitly put his body together and he fit. You understand that, that you were no longer after that craving other things of the world? You didn't want to go do this anymore. You didn't want to go do this anymore. And, and because you're redeemed, because you're, you're blood bought, it, it's not sin to you to do those things, but you have no desire for those things. Your nature has been changed. Your, your, your inside of your inside has been changed to where it's no longer here. You're no longer feeding on the things of this world. Now you're feeding from somewhere else. Somewhere else. Now, and it's a dimensional avenue. It's a dimensional avenue. Let's take just for a moment, for example, um, you, you ever, um, and I think I didn't even read it, but in that, in that message, who's is Melchizedek? It's something that's always kind of frightened me even as a young man, kind of frightened me the way Brother Ram would describe that. He tells about, about, he makes a statement in many different places how that those that have gone on before us, those that have died, those that are sleeping, and, and if you understand that, that there are two births, there are two deaths, there are two resurrections. Do you understand that? You have enough Bible readers here to know that this morning. There are two births, there are two deaths, there are two resurrections. Cow with new gate, what's going on? So you have two deaths, you have this natural death, then you have your, you're erased in the lake of fire. First death, second death. You have two births. You have one that my birth date was 8-26-1980, or something in the morning. My Holy Ghost birth was, I don't know the exact date of that, but that happened. I translated from this life to that life. My uh, first resurrection, if, if I go by the way of the grave before the rapture, I die and go into the ground. And then, uh, that, that, so for, then you, have, you have your first resurrection, you have your second resurrection. Your first resurrection, if you're bride and you go into the ground, 1 Thessalonians 4, that you will not prevent or hinder them that are asleep. When that rapture happens, he grabs all of you, he quickens you back up, and you go together. Those of the bride that are sleeping, that are caught, we won't hinder them. You understand? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 13 through 20, whatever it is, that, that you're changed with them. That's the first resurrection. They're coming from that. And then the second is the general resurrection to where that everyone is raised to be brought before the white throne judgment. You with me? Two births, 
two deaths, two resurrections. Now, if you're a bride that gets to take a rapture, it's you've only died one time. You're like, wait a minute now. You died to yourself. You died to your flesh. You died to this world, and you entered into a new life. It's that death. And the thing about it is, we, we talked about that Tuesday night about that Babylon. Each one of us here, even if we weren't in a Baptist church, Mormon church, Lutheran church, insert, insert, whatever, whatever, uh, even a message church. And, and I want to say that because Satan is so sly and so wily that he lets you sit in the Methodist church this morning, a message uh, believing a Malachi 4 prophet this morning and let you think that, that you're serving God and you're not serving God because they're twisting parts of the word. Because Satan is always religious. He's always religious, and he's always trying to subvert anything that he can. So I, I don't want you to ever let yourself be fooled. Don't ever let yourself be tricked by the enemy. This is why the Bible says you're to be sober, which means awake, which means paying attention, which means on fire for God, and to be vigilant. Sober doesn't, okay, so if you were just to be sober, okay, I'm awake. I'm watching, I'm awake. But to be vigilant, now I'm moving. Where is that? Where is he at? I'm here for him. I'm the one to enforce God's claim on that word. I'm the one to make Satan take his hands off. Sober and vigilant. This is our job. We talked about your battle armor this morning. You're clothed in that battle armor. Okay, back to when you leave here, you're not dead. The prophet said that, that not that same message, I can't remember which message, if it's, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, you have to Google it uh, in the search of the table, said that there are loved ones that are gone before are only as far away as we put them. Only far away as we put them. And we shared that with you, uh, the statement that he made about that they will eventually, um, they'll eventually invent a machine that can pick up the very words of Christ on the Sermon on the Mount. Because those words are always going. Just like your words are always going. Whether they're alive in someone else's ears, someone else's complex offenses, or in someone else's joy. Would you rather your words be alive in someone's offense and scar or alive in someone's joy and peace? Because we're to speak life and, or death. You're not supposed to speak death, but we're human. We each one struggle. We each one have Satan trying to make us mad all the time. Be careful with your words. So anyways, they'll invent a machine eventually that can pick those words up that he preached on the Sermon on the Mount or any of the words of Christ because they're constantly going, constantly going, that they're somewhere that they'll eventually invent a machine. Can you imagine that? That something he spoke 2,000 years ago, I don't just mean recorded or written down, I mean that those words are still around and moving. In what dimension are they in? So then uh, you understand that, <coughs> that radio waves and TV waves, the way that they'll work, they'll come in your time, matter, and space that's in that first three dimensions. Radio waves, TV waves, your TV, your radio does not create the broadcast. It does not create the, 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 the program, whatever it is you're watching or movie or listening to. Whatever it might, it's not creating that. It's a receiver. It's only a receiver from a broadcast. A broadcast. And it's interesting, there's no cords tethering them. I think that's very interesting. You don't have to run a cord all the way back to your local news TV station. You don't have to run a cord all the way back to your radio station, but yet it's still getting into your room, wherever it is you're listening to. Whether you're even driving and moving away from where you were just minutes ago, it's still getting to you. You see the natural types of spiritual? No matter where you're going, that negative contrast will get into you. That's why, you know, you know God's always with you everywhere you go. So you understand that, that, that when you leave here, you're not dead. 
when you leave here, this is what he said, who is Melchizedek. He said, when you leave here, you're not dead. He tells a, a story about, in, in, in I think it's Arizona, I, it wasn't New Mexico, I'm pretty sure it's Arizona, how that it had been in the paper a lot, how that these different people would be, even visitors from other places, traveling down a certain highway, they'll hit a man actually hit someone and he told they describing him as an old man in an old coat in a big thick overcoat they'll, he'll walk right in front of them and they'll hit him they'll feel the car jolt and shake like such they'll watch the body go up in the air people behind them will see him flipping and turning they just hit somebody everybody pulls over to see the man that was just killed you understand it's not just seeing it but they feel the car jolt the people behind them, they said, well, it was a localized hallucination. Just two, three people had a hallucination at a time. Well, they're far enough away in different type of air and oxygen in your own closed shell. There's no way you were affected. There's no way anyone could have ever predicted that this car from this state would be here at the same time that car from that state would just happen to be traveling through. There's no way to, to um, you understand, to do a mass of you as far as make them all think uh, some kind of illusion or whatever it was. They feel the car shake when they hit the man. The body goes up and it's spinning and spinning. They jump out and try to find the body. There's no body to be found. Come to find out years before an old man had been hit there and killed. And then he says that with a slight pause. When you leave here, you're not dead. So we're talking about those dimensions. We're talking about those things that you can't see. So what makes it so easy from him to get from that one back to this one? From that one back to this one. He would be in the fifth dimension. We're in the fourth dimension. What makes it so easy for him to come back? And many of you have heard of any other different testimonies, testimonies, accounts, histories, whatever else, of other people seeing different things. Am I the only one? Okay. Satan doesn't live in this dimension. Satan does not live in this dimension that you live in. Satan has access to this dimension, but he doesn't live here. Satan would be uh, in the unseen world. He has access to that, and he can influence from one side to the other. And this is the negative, the contrast, having influence on your life and coming at you in a way that it can dampen, it can hinder, it can, it can squash you down to where you can't access God's dimension. And don't let me saying it that way kind of throw you for a stumbling block. Uh, you can, if you'd rather just say, into that heavenly place or into that not-so-heavenly place. Some people get hung up on words. It is, in fact, a dimension. It is, in fact, a different dimension. But I don't want that to stumble you this morning. Let's, let's, let's say maybe into that heavenly place. So if Satan can keep you from wherever he's at, can keep you here out of that heavenly place, because, again, you're the one that brings about his destruction. You're the one that brings about his end of days. See, the Bible talks about the end of days, in the last days, in the last days, in the last days. You understand how many times the Bible talks about being in the last days, in the last days, in the last days. You understand that couldn't happen 500 years ago. That couldn't happen 100 years ago. That couldn't have happened 72 years ago. He's only 71. Why? You weren't born yet. You weren't born yet. You are a very predestinated people for a predestinated moment to a very predestinated thing. You understand? So if it's Satan's last days, if you have no last days, so whose last days is it talking about? It's Satan's last days. Brother Ram said that you would be the final voice to the final age. You would be the final voice to the final age. You would be the one that makes him let go. 
This is not in your own flesh. This isn't in your own strength. This isn't in your own mental acuity. This is a body completely surrendered to Elohim where it's no longer you that speaks, no longer you that thinks, no longer you that sees, no longer you that hears. You're dead in him. Not my will, but his be done. Now, we talked about that, uh, about making something from materials that can't be seen. So, who here believes the Word of God is creative? You believe the Word of God is creative. So, when the Bible says, and we, we read that to you last Sunday, beginning God created the heaven and the earth, we just read to you right now that by uh, we under, like this, we understand that through faith, we understand that the Word of God framed this world or built this world or however you want to describe that or imagine that. And He built it out of things that do not appear, which tells you that He didn't show up at the local yard. I need so many billion trillion cubic tons of dirt so many billion gallons of water he didn't say that he just said let there be now if you would have been born in a uh, um, let me say it like this say for example if you would not have been in a flesh you would not have been in a body and you're a spiritual amnesia which you have on you now which is coming off by the hearing of the word and you can remember a time walking on this planet before it existed I'm not talking about pre-existence of souls. I'm talking about standing on the faith of God. Coming to a place that you could stand on something that your eyes can't see, your, feet, your, your feelers can't feel, you can't smell, you can't hear, but you can stand on it. We, we've read that to you, the scripture where it said, Jesus said, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never fail. And you can take that and you can take other promises of his word that, that pertain to you right now, right now, right now and you can take that and you can grab hold of that with faith and believe that I know this is going to happen to Sam Parker because I believe with all my heart God promised this to Sam Parker so it don't matter to me if I wake up tomorrow and the earth is gone it don't matter to me if I wake up tomorrow and there's no more sky no more stars it don't matter to me if I wake up in the morning and I'm floating in space Yes, I'm straining at a point. But you understand, nothing else matters. All that matters is what he said. So if you have to take your imagination to the furthest points of gambit of, of thought to where that there would be no world for you to walk on, for you to touch, for you to hear, to see, to any of those avenues, but only to take his word. Only to take his word. We've mentioned that about what that meant to me. Here, uh, Brother Brown talking about that picture taken of you in, in, in your prime, that picture taken of you. And I don't even want to say necessarily your prime. I'll say at your best point when God saw you. If we can get to a place in our walk that we can so believe that picture because it's faith, but believe what the picture shows what the picture says, it'll change you right now. Because that's the word of God. Do you agree? The picture in your perfection is the word of God. And all of this world is meant to be a testing and a proving ground. This world only exists so that you could have a trial to go through. It only exists so that you would have a good enough battleground where you would have a good enough enemy that could so buffet you that would make you turn to him. I need him. I need him. I'm, I, I, I've been healed many times in my life. I believe by his stripes you're healed. I've been healed many times in my back, in my legs, in my ankles, in my knees. Healed completely. 
completely restored, just like that. Nothing wrong whatsoever. Then let some time go on, I'd get hurt again. Anybody else? You ever been healed of something? Then get hurt again later. You're in this form. So Satan's going to tell you, you never got it to start with. No, 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 wait a minute. I stopped hurting. You don't just stop hurting. If God doesn't do something, you will die. Pain, it escalates and escalates and escalates to a crescendo where eventually your heart stops pumping, your brain shuts down, being racked in such pain. But his word is true. Whether I die tomorrow of everything I've been healed of, his word is still true. Whether I can believe it or not. Now you're talking about living beneath your means. Living in the weak and beggarly elements. I shared that scripture to the WhatsApp about where every redemptive blessing of God is on the table right now for you. So if you're a believer, if you're a believer, and you're walking around beneath your means, that's because you refuse to take it. That seems harsh, but it's true. What else does it got to do? So uh, you think about the, the, the parable that was given about Lazarus and the rich man. He went to hell. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And he's asking him, can you just get Lazarus to dip his finger in that well and bring me some of that water? And he said, no, none can pass from there to there. Well, then can you uh, at least send someone to tell my brothers, don't come here? And he says, no, though one raised from the dead, they still will not believe. Though one raised from the dead, they still will not believe. We are here this morning in honor of the resurrection of someone raised from the dead. And I don't just mean someone that was raised. I mean someone that did the raising. There's a difference between being raised from the dead and someone that can do the raising. He told Mary, I, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall not die, but shall live. See, there's a difference. You think about Brother Wade that passed away. I remember his first name. Brother Wade that passed away in Brother Brown's meetings. That he died right there in the service. And the Lord raised him back up. They brought him back to life. His wife was a registered nurse. She checked him. He passed away. For however many minutes it was, he was dead. Till Brother Brown walked over and prayed for him. It wasn't the man that did that. It wasn't, I can't raise anyone from the dead. I cannot. Not me. Not Sam Parker. But he can I cannot heal you, but he can. I can't encourage you, but he can. All of those things, I've shared that with you many times. There's nothing good about me. If you leave me alone, if he leaves me alone, I'm going to be the most angry, most bitter, and just aggressive and violent person you ever met. That's just natural flesh. That's beast-like flesh is anger and violence. But he is peace. He is joy. He can take someone that is so violent and so angry and take that hurt and pain away and bring in a peace that will pass understanding. Only he can do that. Only he's the one that's called Lily of the Valley, the Rose of Sharon, peace that passes understanding. So when it's no longer you, I, I walked into service Tuesday night down and discouraged just thinking about well you know being an odd night and won't be hardly anybody here tonight because it's an odd night and most folks probably wouldn't come and and thinking about well it's just gonna be me walking in there and preaching and 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 things like that the lord reminded me real quick you know i didn't start this i didn't start this i didn't call you i didn't uh, this is all his work so this job can be kind of lonely and discouraging sometimes but but 
I, I know there's things in me that he's had to fix so that I could love you. You understand there's things in me that he had to fix in my character, my personality, so that I could love you. You remember Brother Ram leaving, I think, from Colorado, coming to Nevada, Montana border, that he was ready to quit. He was so discouraged he was ready to quit. And the angel of the Lord moved, and you remember what it was told, and he said, I had lost the feeling of the people. I had lost compassion for the people. You remember about what the angel come to him in the cave and said, if you can get the people to believe you. And you understand that for you and your own self, that, that if you have someone that you know loves you, you're going to believe them and trust them a lot more than someone that couldn't care if you lived or died. You understand, couldn't care if you came or didn't come. But if you know someone that loves you, you can trust them. Now, I've shared that with you many times that these aren't my words. These are his words. I don't stand up here and read to you out of the, out of the Bible of Sam. It's the book of God. And I'm telling you things that he says. And it's not just as reading a newspaper and saying that this team won this team or this building's being built here. I'm telling things that will change your everyday life. I'm not just talking about your soul. I'm not just talking about your eternal destination. I mean your everyday life. Because, again, we're not from here. We don't exist in this world. We, we, we live here, but we have access to something greater. And when our, our thinking and our understanding and all of this has changed from just I get up in the morning, I go to work, I come home, I go to sleep and repeat the sentence. No, each day I'm getting closer and closer to home. Closer and closer to home. See, something's happened between the dimensions. See, hell is, the lid has come off of hell. Hell hath moved to meet him. The Bible says hell has moved to meet him at his coming. The Bible says that hell moved to meet him. See, hell is a dimension. It's not, you know, in the, you dig down to the very center of the earth, you find the lake of fire. It's not in the very center of the earth. It's in another dimension. So when someone that leaves in that same realm and that, that hard way that is meant to be for that fifth dimension and they can have access across, what could those that, that were in the sixth dimension have access across? If you'll, if you'll uh, just slide on down to chapter 11. Let's read that uh, verse, uh, verse 36. Chapter 11, Hebrews 11, chapter 30, 11, verse 36. Same chapter we're reading in. It said, Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. How does this make your day sound? Pretty good, don't it? We got it pretty easy, don't we? You got it pretty easy. We've only got just you know a couple extra hundred million demons turned out upon us. We fight in a different way. Verse 38, of whom... The world was not worthy. And you understand that's in parentheses. Of whom the world was not worthy. The same world that was created by his word. The same world that was spoken into by his word. The same world that it said we understand faith created this world. And he said this world is not even worthy. Of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Received not the promise. 
Verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us. Again, raise your hand right now. You're that us. What could he have provided better for you? Some of these received the dead raised. Some of these were 100 years old and their body was turned back and they were able to have kids when they were never had their whole 100 years able to have kids. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. They without us should not be made perfect. Turn up with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, let's just start in. Let's just do start in verse 13. No, let's start in verse 12. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without. And that you may have lack of nothing. That you may have lack of nothing. Walking honestly, that you may have lack of nothing. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant. This is the prophet, the, the, the apostle Paul. He was a prophet. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead, laying in the grave, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now you understand he's talking about a graveside sermon right there. There are many that talk about, well, every, you know, some sermons, you know, some funerals, everybody gets into heaven, no matter how bad they were. You know, this guy could have robbed, murdered, killed, raped, pillaged, and, oh, we'll see him there. And you, you understand, they don't, most people don't understand. But there are those that also stand there and know that you have a loved one that maybe have passed away that you don't know where they went, that you don't understand what their life was, you don't know where they walked with the Lord, so it would be easy to not have hope. Will I ever see them again? There is a hope that you can have, that it doesn't matter where they were or what they did. And we, we, we don't have time to get in the token right now, but you understand what I'm saying. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, a hope for a better resurrection. Verse 14, for if we believe, and listen, if we believe, again we're back to faith, and what uh, the Jesus in that parable told that rich man in hell, he said, though one was raised from the dead, they still will not believe. You keep that in your mind. Though one was raised from the dead, a better hope, a better resurrection. And then he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that this morning? Even so, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's not talking about the first coming there. He's talking about the second coming there. And again, we, we talk about being three comings of Christ. Now, I, I, I would like to uh, talk again here about the way to get into the kingdom, to get into Christ, the way you get into Christ. It's a birth. You get into Christ through the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get into Christ. You go back to John 3 where Nicodemus is proposing his question, how can a man be born again? You're birthed into Christ. And that birth into Christ is eternal life. You were born uh, at whatever age it was. You were a seed of God or you weren't a seed of God. You either were or you weren't. We covered that went Tuesday night about the sower, the evil sower that went to the earth that sowed the seed of good and the one the, the seed of bad and the good sower that sowed the seed of good. 
Satan was a bad sower, God's a good sower. So there's seeds of God. But then that part is still, you would still be just a seed of God until you're born again. Now, it's a funny way to say that, isn't it? You're just a seed of God, but if you're not born again, you're just a seed of God. Now, we've heard a lot about seeds don't help you. If you were to take a handful of green bean seed or oh, something that wouldn't taste good, maybe green bean seed would taste good if you grill it just right, but something that wouldn't taste good and try to eat it, you're like, that don't taste no good at all. You want that full-grown, adopted, matured, fruit-producing plant, right? You want the full-grown. The only way that happens is if, if it's brought to life. So that new birth quickens and brings alive and brings you into the kingdom of God and therefore you get to obtain eternal life. And the only way this is possible is because you always were in the mind of God. You always were in the mind of God. Only predestinated, even considered in redemption. Again, I'm trying to loop a lot of things together for to make this picture. So to get that is the only way you take a rapture. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, not just on your flesh, in your soul, is the only way to take a rapture. Is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the kingdom, which is the new birth, which is Christ living in you, which makes you, which makes you greater than he that's anywhere else. In the world, in the TVs, in any imagination of thing. Satan has twisted imagination to create these giants, these supermen, these, these, all these super characters, and they're all a perverted derivative of something that God has access for you for. Super strong, Superman, look at Samson. Super speed, look at Philip. Someone that'll walk through the midst of fire, not burn, not just fire. Brother, Brother Doug was talking the other day about it was heated seven times hotter. So if you take a fire and you say that fire was, I don't know what fire is, a thousand degrees, something like that, the actual temperature of fire, and then you multiply it by seven, that puts you at the temperature of the sun. Those men walked into the temperature of the sun in that scale and all it did was burn off what bound them what had them bound so Satan would easily take those things and, and now you've got some, some other big idea or imagination that's perverted from the truth of God but what God has for you is a new birth experience that every redemptive blessing of God is accessible to you accessible to you so much so that the prophet would say I think it's in Patmos vision that that word that's in you that if it didn't have a governor on you that you could create an entirely different world and go live a private life on it do you right now do you believe he was a prophet or not so do you believe he lied to you do you believe he was lying do you believe this man spent more time in the presence of God than probably anybody you'll ever hear about and he said that because he saw something. You understand? He saw something. That there's an access. That he said even to this point that if you had just the shadow of the power of God in you, you could create a whole other world and go live a private life on it. What would it be called? Earth 2? Earth you? Parker Earth? But I don't have need for that. I have no need for that because, again, you, you ask amiss. That would be something you wouldn't have need. It doesn't benefit anyone else. But what happens when you pull that thing, that focus back, and you put it right where you're standing right now? You're to create your own environment, to create your own life, your live around. And you're like, well, no, that's just, that's, just too, that's just too here and now. But you live here and now. 
You're tempted, tested, trialed, and barraged by the enemy here and now. So what if something, and if you only described it as a shadow, can be sparked and instilled in your life to where you can make those demons back up? Back up. Not just for you, but everyone you put that token on. Think about that. Back up. Make him take his hands off with just a shadow. How much power would your mind need to equate to a a way to to specify that you would need to make a demon back up? How much power would you need to say, well, I need um, um, an eighth of the size of a fingernail? Do I need half of the size of a fingernail? How much power of God do you think it takes for you to make every demon that buffets you back up? How much power? And I share with you right here, Brother Brown made that statement that when the weakest Christian goes to his knees or her knees, every demon in hell gets scared. Only some of the demons, only the weaker, less experienced demons, the ones that ain't fought much, no, the biggest, meanest, nastiest, most evilest, slimy thing that ever climbed out of the pit of hell is scared to death when you bow your knees. Why do you think he would fight you so hard? trying to distract you while you pray, trying to put you to sleep while you pray, trying to make you think of your grocery list or some anything else while you pray, trying to make you forget who you're even praying for. What is prayer? Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a conversation with whom? With yourself? Oh, I'm just talking to Sam and I ask Sam. No, no, you're talking to him. When you bow in prayer, when you have, you enter into another dimension with him and you realize that I'm not just still sitting in my, in my closet. I'm not just kneeling at the foot of my bed. I'm not just out in the woods. I am no longer here. I am now in his presence. And I'm not just asking amiss. I'm saying, Lord, bless that person. Bless that person. Heal that person. Deliver that person. Help them. You start calling their name out. Lord, bless them. Help them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. They've got things they're going through right now, Lord. I pray, Father, as I speak to you right now, move on their behalf right now. Change their situation. Well, I guess I'll just get up. I'm done praying. I didn't, nothing really happened. Do you believe in your prayer or not this morning? Do you believe? Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe in my prayer? You know, it's easy to say, well, I believe, you know, Sam could have faith. Matt could have faith. These other brothers, I believe, but, you know, maybe not for me. But think about what happens if, what would happen if you believed in my prayer? If you believed where the scripture says, where the scripture says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What happens if you believed that could happen? And you had a need this morning. And you walked up here and we laid hands on you and the scripture got fulfilled before your very eyes. What would that do to you? Would it in so spark your faith to believe that my prayer, my faith is just as good? Just as good. We share that with you about the, the, the raptures, the different raptures that happen. The three in the Old Testament, the three in the New Testament. We've shared that with you before. And it clicked to me last night. We was driving home. We was listening to the message of the rapture. About, you know, Brother Ram had taught there were three in the Old Testament. There were three in the New Testament. We've shared that with you before. Now, you understand that the only way to take a rapture is through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the only way to take a rapture because it is eternal life. Because it is God himself in you. Now, you can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the rain falls on the just and the unjust, on the wheat and on the tares. You can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in an anointing on your flesh. 
in a anointing on your flesh. So what changes it from your flesh, the, the temporary, the seen things, down deep into those unseen things? What changes it? Surrender. Come closer, Lord. Have more of me, Lord. I open every door of me, Lord. Come more, come more, come more. We, we've shared a lot with you about knowing the Lord and being known of the Lord. Now, these are, these are husband and wife terms. This isn't, oh, he knows Samuel Mark Parker's name that has social security number, all this. No, no, no. No, he knows me, and I know him. And it's not just meant to be, um, you know, you, we have a type of a husband and a wife here in this world to be known in that such, but the type with him is not in a physical sexual act. It, it, we read that to you last week, on, I think it's uh, Matthew 13, about taking the kingdom and putting it in this wheat and what it does to that wheat, how it changes that, that it actually it uses its leaven, that it leavens every bit of it by taking it putting it in him so if God comes inside and you let him have complete control you turn everything on the inside into God Elohim so if he's inside you become self-existing who's inside who's inside this is, this is not nothing new this scripture teaches this the scripture teaches this. Jesus' own words said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What can Satan do? You can look outside and see the marvelous success Satan has done to this planet and to the people. And he can't touch what God can do. And Jesus said, Jesus said that he that's in you is so much greater than he that's in the world. You know, Satan can cause a thunderstorm. Satan can cause a storm to blow up. And it will, even the Bible would call it, they tried to sing, I think it's Paul and Luke, that was called Eurachlodon. The storm come upon the water so fierce, so demonically inspired that they named the storm, the Bible calls it Eurachlodon. Satan did that. Caused that storm to come up on them. Satan caused a, uh, a man's son to, to put this the spirit of seizures and paralysis and onto a child where he would throw himself into fire and that fire would try to burn him up. He kept trying to kill himself. A demon could do that. What could someone greater do? If a demon can make you walk out in front of a truck, jump off a bridge, take any of these things to poison yourself and kill, put a gun to your head and do that, what can the spirit that's in you do? It's meant to be life and only life. It's meant to be light and only light with no darkness therein. On the raptures, on the change of your body, let me back up and, and just, no time, and, and back up and talk about the very first one. We stopped right there in Hebrews 11, right before, well, no, we did read that about Enoch. I didn't think we did. We read that about Enoch. Enoch was not for God took him. So you have Enoch, you have Elijah, first rapture in the Old Testament, second rapture is Elijah, third rapture was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Old Testament. First rapture of the New Testament was the saints of old. Third, second rapture of the New Testament is us. Third rapture is the Revelation 11, Moses and Elijah. You everybody understand? You got, you're walking with me. Okay, let's talk about your rapture. How do you take a rapture? Through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How did the saints of old, when did they get the Holy Ghost? See, the Holy Ghost wasn't given in its fullness until the day of Pentecost. So those that have died, as you walk along through the chronology of the Bible, <coughs> that 
they, 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 they had passed away before the day of Pentecost. Those that were in paradise, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, um, um, Hosea, uh, Nahum, Nehemiah, all, those, all of those, Jonah, all those Old Testament brothers and sisters of yours. You understand? Yours. It's so easy to think all those great heroes of faith, they were just so, no, no, that's your brother. That's your sister. No different than the one sitting beside you right now. That's your brother, your sister. Abraham, all of those, that's your brother and sister in Christ. Now, they had passed away before the day of Pentecost. Will you at least agree with me on that? They were dead because they were raised. That rapture happened before the day of Pentecost. Okay, so the, the Pentecost, the, the, the Holy Ghost wasn't given in its fullness for the day of Pentecost. So John would have been there in paradise with the Holy Ghost because it came upon him at his birth. John was there in paradise waiting for change. Maybe that'd be an argument. Maybe there'd be a debate. I don't know. I'm not trying to argue. I'm talking about making a point. They were there in paradise without the Holy Ghost. But you only take the rapture with the Holy Ghost, with the new birth. So Abraham, uh, uh, Enoch took a rapture. Elijah took a rapture. Jesus took a rapture. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. It's obvious to see how he took a rapture. Obvious, easy. So that was the, 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 from the Old Testament, the last rapture of the Old Testament. So then the first rapture of the New Testament would have been before the day of Pentecost. The Bible said that when Jesus arose, there were 30 to 40 days that those saints were seen. You understand? You read the scripture. They were seen. But he ascended, comes back, then they left with him. They raptured. That makes them chronologically the first of the New Testament as he was the last of the Old Testament. He bridged the gap between the two of them. If you understand what those books mean, between the old to the new to even the four guards that guard the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So how did they rapture? The Holy Ghost had not yet been given. They were dead. They were in the grave. Their spirits were in paradise. Their temporal flesh and form no longer existed in this mortal stature. They were dust. How did they receive the Holy Ghost to take a rapture? They took a rapture? You agree? Do you believe they were seed of God? Do you agree? The Holy Ghost came to them. See, he went back and he enforced his claim to Satan. And the prophet would describe it to you as he's walking back up toward earth. And he hears the most prettiest singing. You know, down at the cross where my Savior died. Whatever they might have been singing. He's the most prettiest singing. And he walks over and knocks on the door of paradise. He said, Abraham, open the door. And he's looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Sarah, come quick. He said, this is the one that I paid tithes to. That's the same one we fed meat from the young fatted calf from. Ezekiel walks up and says the same thing. Jeremiah says what he saw him. Daniel said, I saw him this way. The, four, the three Hebrew children said, that's the one that walked in the fire. Same one, every one of them recognized him. And when they recognized, they recognized him. They recognized him. And however, he had already moved in their life for. And they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Dead and gone. See, temporary. Temporary. But they still had to be changed because we just read that to you that they without us can't be made perfect because there's something better. What was better? Eternal life. They did all of those in that form, in that flesh, without eternal life, but they were predestined to eternal life so his word could not fail, his word could not pass away. Even though dead in the grave, he said we will not hinder them. 
We won't hinder them. So, And I, I'm saying this to paint this picture to you, understanding that, that if it can even be done, and you're like, well, I've had many times that Satan's told me as, as far as God not being my provider. You know, The bills have told me before that you know, we won't wait another day. We won't wait another week. We won't wait another time. But it's going to be cut off or taken back, all those different things. And somehow, in my experience, they waited for some reason. And this is just a test, a struggle, and a trial. But you understand, something so, uh, so um, temporary and finite and doesn't really mean anything. But if you're in a moment and your mortgage lender says, we're going to take your home in so many days, and somehow when you still don't get the money, they don't take your home, what just changed? He kept his word. But he's late. They were saying the same thing at Lazarus' tomb. He's late. Lazarus is dead. He stinks right now. He said, I'm still the resurrection did he only say I'm the resurrection? No, he said I'm the life. Resurrection and the life. Resurrection and the life. He proved in Lazarus there long. I'll quicken that body and raise it back up from the dead and I'll breathe my life into it and you'll breathe body in my life. You'll be quickened in my life. You'll be raised up together with me in my life. So you get in your test. You get in your trial. You get in whatever Satan is beating you down at this exact moment. Satan's coming at you like this and, well, you know, it's over. You've done this and, and it can never get no better. It's a lie. It's a lie. I got to thinking about earlier about, you know, we, you know, the Word of God is created. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is the only thing that's true. It is absolutely the only thing that's true. What you're going on is not true. What this says about you is what's true. Don't, so it don't matter what demon is telling you something. What oppressive darkness is telling you. That's not true. What matters is what his word says about you. So I was telling you about me walking here Wednesday night and me thinking about it's just going to be me. I've never felt uh, on Tuesday night that there was more demonic forces in this room than ever before. I've never felt such a pressure to fighting against me than Tuesday night. And I knew they were there. I knew it when I walked up here. I knew it. And I thought, i got to go up there as Sam Parker and try to preach like that. But he done told me before, you ain't going up there as Sam Parker. So if he's the one that stepped forth in battle, he's the one that fights for you right now. The one that fights for you right now. So if his word is true, and no matter how you feel is not true, and your, your faith can be moved from this temporary thing onto what he says about you, who could be against you? Who could be against you? So the word of God being true, the word of God being real, the word of God being creative, the word of God changing your circumstance right now. You think about maybe maybe you feel like right now you've got more packs of demons on top of you beating you down than you've ever felt before. You ever took, a, uh, you ever took something, let's say like a bell, and took a gong or a hammer and hit a bell? You ever hit a broken one before and it made no sound? You understand what I mean? You understand what I'm trying to, if you hit a bell and it makes a sound, it just rings and rings and rings. If you hit one that's broken, that makes no sound, it goes, but if you hit something and it just, that sound we talk about keeps going and going and going, you take the word of God, it's like your sword, take your sword, smack it on the edge of that bell and watch that reverberate through that unseen world. You understand what I'm saying? You, let, you take a word of God, uh, by his stripes I'm healed. You've maybe said that a hundred billion times in your life, but have you ever said it with a heart full of faith? And just say, right in the face of that symptom, by his stripes I'm healed. And watch it. Not just watch it, but you'll get to where you can feel it. You'll get feeling that thing starting to press out because it's inside. It's pressing out to bring in whatever is right here into subject reality of what he says.
make it reverberate. Make that word live. The only way that word lives, if you believe it. The only way that word lives, if you believe it. We've talked about last Sunday in other different places with different worship services we've had in here. And this morning we were less than we've been in a while. But how many does it take to create an environment that be electrically charged where the Holy Ghost can move and breathe and where you can feel him slip in and you know you ain't just in the presence of one another anymore. You felt him come around. But yet somehow your neighbor can sit right beside you and say, well, I guess it was a good service. What's the difference? What'd you come for? How do you believe God will move in your life? How do you believe God will move in your life? Well, I'm 42 years old. Well, I'm 10 years old. No, same God. Same God. Same God. His will, His purpose. Can't even get to His purpose for your life. But His will and His purpose for your life, I can prove it by the Scripture, is to live and to be free in His presence, to be healed in His presence, to soar high in his presence with him do you believe me do you believe I've lied to you this morning about that so if you believe what I've just said is true can you start to believe that for your own life I am healed I am delivered I am free death and life is in the power of the tongue I've thought about many times of well I've had this to struggle with and I've struggled with this I ain't saying that no more I'm free I'm healed do you hurt not no more if, if, if something's hurting, it's a liar. Jonah said, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Who wants to forsake their own mercies? We sang earlier, the goodness of God is following me every day of my life. The Bible says, the blessings of the Lord will run a person down and overflow them. The Bible says. Does what you're going through matter or what the Word of God says about you? It's the only thing that matters. It does not matter if the heavens and earth pass away. It doesn't matter if you're walking around right now on an invisible earth. Because we don't walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So if you're even walking on an invisible earth that your eyes can't see, but you feel it. Because he said it's there. So right now, if you could not see the chair you're sitting in, but you could believe what we read to you in Hebrews 11, that it was formed by the word of God. And if he said it's there, it's there. It doesn't matter if you can see the earth, smell the earth, I know it's there because he said it's there. How do I know I'm going to take a rapture? He said I'm going to take a rapture. How do I know I have eternal life? Because I know the possessor of heavens and earth has moved inside and is changing me to accept that life. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. I don't know if that makes any sense to you this morning. But I pray at the very least as you go home and throughout your day, your week, your, 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 your coming days that, that something will slip in and say, you know what, maybe you'll start hurting after a while. Maybe some old injury will come up and you'll start reminded of what your flesh feels. But then maybe your spirit is reminded, by your stripes I'm healed. By your stripes I'm healed. We, I didn't share this testimony. Sister Vanessa had come up for prayer that Saturday night in the meetings other Labor Day meetings and she'd already had she said previously the week before or two weeks before what it was had a some x-ray cat scan whatever it was on her knee had bone spurs in her knee said it hurt her to walk around because of the bone spurs she comes up for prayer Saturday night in the meeting and she said God healed her in the meeting the, the following week she's been up on ladders painting her house and all these different things she said no pain God heals bone spurs that's right. We had four sisters in those meetings just here recently that were healed of back troubles. 
Four sisters. Heal the back troubles. Four sisters. I say it like that because Satan will say, well, God will heal a man, but he won't heal a woman. Same God. Did it right before our very eyes. My dad was healed of his back issue just back in, in April. Then he walked to my house, and he was so bent over, he couldn't even stand up. He was so bowed over, couldn't even stand up. We prayed for him, and in the prayer, I feel him stand straight up. His testimony was that God healed him from the top of his hair to the bottom of his feet. Amen. God's still a healer. So what's bothering you this morning? Is it physical or is it spiritual? His spirit is coming to your spirit to burn out any darkness where they would have no effect on your life. Discouragement, depression, any of those lies and chains and complexes. He's the healer of that as well. Do you believe that?
word, Lord God, not trying to make it fit us, but Lord, making us fit it. Lord, whatever sanding down or, or shaving off that needs to be done, Lord, let your word mold us. Lord, let it shape the way we even think, Lord. Let it shape the way we imagine. Let it shape the way that our heart has something to hold on to. It, it doesn't to be holding on to our physical form or, or things of this life, Lord, but to set our, our thoughts and our hopes and our, our very being on the things above, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. We appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for your kindness. I pray you bless our brothers and sisters today. Help them in their walk, Lord. Help each one of us to draw nearer to you. Lord, all the souls that are in this room right now, Lord, don't let, don't let one of us slip further away. But let us be drawn nearer to thee, we pray. Lord, this is why we're here. This is why we come to this place. This is why we, we worship. This is why we sit patiently to hear your word, Lord. We, we want to be changed forever in your presence, Lord. There's coming a day whether we will be so thoroughly, completely changed when that seal has been brought to fruition that we will be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye to stand in your presence, completely redeemed, Lord. We love you so very much. We bless your name. We thank you for your presence in this place. And I pray you would be with my brothers and sisters as they go their separate ways. Keep them safe, Lord. Lord, go with them. Minister to them. Changes we 